0: How Molly Pittman generated 157,362 leads.
1: We're going to walk you through exactly what I did. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic.
0: Hello and welcome to episode 158 of the Perpetual Traffic podcast. My name is Ralph Burns and I'm here alongside my awesome co-host Molly Pittman. Molly, how are you doing?
1: Hey, Ralph. Doing great. Happy to be here as always. How are you doing? Very nice.
0: It's a beautiful summer day here in Sagamore (laughs) Beach, Massachusetts. actually brought the, the home office outside patio today for the first time all summer, which was pretty cool.
1: Woo, doing a a little outdoor office. I'm inspired. Al fresco (laughs) officing.
0: So anyway, enjoying what we are going to be talking about on the show here today. This is killer. And I don't think we've talked about A campaign start to finish like this in quite some time. I can't even think of an episode where we did this. And I think the listeners are really going to appreciate seeing it sort of real time, you know, how Molly Pittman generated 157,000 leads at about $1.08. In eight weeks. Is that like some kind of internet marketing <laughs> headline or screen capture that I need to know about? Like That sounds insane.
1: It does sound pretty exciting. Yeah. This is a campaign that I ran for a client over the period of two months, and it is in a pretty broad market. But really, the goal of this was to generate leads. So this was a conversion campaign, like you said, over 157 thousand leads generated $1.08 a dollar and eight cents apiece. So we spent a total of a little over 170 thousand dollars on this campaign. But yeah, we're gonna walk you through exactly what I did over these yeah. two months. And I think what's important to keep in mind here, Ralph, like 157 thousand leads—that's a lot right? And I don't mean that to brag. It's more, this client is in, like I said, a broad market, something that really appeals to a lot of people. So when people listen to this episode, I want you to focus on the process that we're going to walk you through versus the numbers, because we could have generated 15 leads, from this. And maybe for your business, that's all that you need this month. So same process, just different budgets and different numbers. So we're going to be talking about spending a lot of money, even if you only want to spend 5% of the amount that we're speaking about in this campaign, just take everything we're doing and divide it down. Yeah. So the system's the same. Just don't be overwhelmed by the numbers. We're just showing you that this system really works at huge scale.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of these types of headlines come with only showing you the good stuff, the stuff that actually worked and what's cool about this episode? Because I know how this all works. Not everything always works when you run campaigns like this. And yeah, you are spending six figures in spend, and you can definitely extrapolate this down to five figures in spend, even you know four figures in spend or three figures in spend, because it's the same process. But we're going to show you the stuff that didn't work as much as the stuff that did work. Now, I don't think we can all say that we can generate results like Molly Pittman here if you're a listener to the show here, but the point is is that Molly obviously has a lot of experience doing this, having run the ads for digital marketer for what, like 27 years? Ever since you were like <laughs> out of the cradle. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, you know, don't expect these results on your campaign because Molly is an experienced digital marketer and Facebook ads person. But the point is, is that there's a lot of this campaign that didn't work well for, her, but yeah. hey, you just sort of figure out what works and what doesn't work. Keep exactly. doing more of the stuff that does work and ramp that up, ratchet it up. The algorithm works really well, as we talk about here all the time, especially when you're getting lots and lots of conversions, you're feeding lots of data back into the algorithm to get them to figure out where your ideal audience is hiding out there in your audiences. And we'll get into that even more.
1: And Ralph, also the key to this is the lead magnet is really, really good. It's something that the market really wants. So if that wasn't the case, none of this would have happened. So again, make sure that you have a really great lead magnet. And if you do, set up a campaign like we're talking about today the system that we're about to talk about, the scaling of it is very similar to really any type of Facebook ad campaign. But the logistics of this, the specifics that we're going to go through are really for a campaign where you're running traffic to a lead magnet that your audience really wants. Yeah,
0: for sure. In this case, they ended up monetizing most of the leads and are still monetizing them to this day. Exactly. So the point was in this whole campaign was just to get as cheap leads, but high quality leads as possible. Yeah, let's get right into it. Let's do it. So tell me a little bit about how you set the campaign up maybe what campaign objective to start with, a little bit about campaign structure and how you kind of formulated in your mind before you started doing stuff inside the ads manager.
1: Right, so of course we were optimizing for conversions. So we're optimizing for someone to click from our ad, land on the opt-in page, give the email address, and then visit that next thank you page, right? So I created a custom conversion for that thank you page, and I started setting up this ad by selecting conversions as my objective, and then that was the first step. Of course, before this, I also did a ton of research for targeting, So I had spent about 10 hours on a flight researching different interests in this market so important. Again, doing Google searches about books that this market might like, organizations they're a part of, authority figures that they follow, events that they attend, everything that I could figure out about this market, I tried to figure out. And I had pages and pages of possible interest to target. So that's really what I started with. I started with a custom conversion on the thank you page and a ton of interest that I wanted to target. Now, for this particular campaign, I did start with 22 ad sets. The only difference between those ad sets were the targeting. You could have started with five ad sets. I decided to start with 22 because I had a large test budget on this, but also because I did have a lot of interests that I wanted to target. So the only differentiation between my ad sets were the targeting. And all of those ad sets were ranging between about a half a million people and 20 million people. So I did have some ad sets that were bigger, that had 15 to 20 million people in them. And I tried to do about half and half, like 11 ad sets that were probably more in the half a million to three, four, five million range, and then half that were bigger just to see if it made a difference. And surprisingly on this campaign, it didn't. So we had 22 ad sets ranging from half a million to 20 million in targeting. This was all cold traffic. And I started each of those ad sets at $100 a piece. So $2,200 a day. Again, if you want to scale. If you want to do this on a, a smaller budget, you could have done $20 a day, but we had the test budget. So it was 22 ad sets At a hundred bucks a day.
0: So, the interest research part of things, 10 hours of research, people are like, wait a second, that's (laughs) way longer than I ever would have thought. And a great episode to go back to. And this is actually one of the ones way back in the beginning of Perpetual Traffic, which is episode eight, if you believe. Mm. It's all about ad targeting where you go through your process as to how to actually do this. So like, what was that process like? I mean, you can't build a campaign without your actual interest. And we'll talk about some of your other interest targeting as well. Like where did you start? And and did you know much about this niche to begin with even?
1: Not really. I mean, honestly, I always start by going into ads manager, acting like I'm going to set up a campaign, going down to the detailed targeting section, and I'll start typing in words in this market, like any word that I can think of that relates to this market. And you'll start to find different interests. Again, if we're targeting yoga, I'm usually not going to type in yoga and target yoga because it's probably 300 million people or something crazy, (laughs) right? Right, right? But if you type in yoga, you're going to see other interests around yoga, like Yoga Journal, Yoga Alliance, Kundalini Yoga, Yin Yoga, Yoga Pants, Yoga Instructor, Yoga Teacher, Yoga International, Yoga and Life. If you type in the word, you start to get a feel. And anything that seems relevant, I'm writing down on my sheet of paper. So I really start there. And then I start to take those that I've found by typing in that word and putting them into audience insights. So I'll put five to 10 of those that I think are the most relevant into audience insights, go to the page likes tab and see what other brands and what other pages are out there that are most like the ones that I just input. Now that can go down a rabbit hole for a few hours, And I'm always going and making sure that those pages actually come up as an interest in ads manager. If they do, they get added to my sheet of paper, just like the rest of them. Again, this can go down a rabbit hole because look, you see there's Kundalini yoga. Okay. That's a type of yoga. Well, I might go to Google and type in different types of yoga. There's probably 20 different types of yoga. I get a list of those from Google. I go to see if those are interest, right? This yoga and life interest that I just found, I think that's a blog. So it's like, oh, let's go search the different blogs, right? But once I feel like I reach an end to my rabbit hole, that's when I really do start relying on Google. So if I feel like I need more interest, then that's when I really do what I talked about in episode eight and start to Google different books, blogs, magazines, authority figures in the market I'm looking for different ideas or different things that I haven't yet thought of. And then that will trigger an idea. I'll go put that back in audience insights and go from there. So it's really just a big research process for me. But I think it's the most important part. And it's why this was so successful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So really, the three tools that you're using right now, one of which we all have access to all three of these tools. So sometimes we get questions as to, you know, what other tools? tools should you use? Chances are the tools that are actually in Facebook and at your disposal, right in your search, right in your browser are probably the best tools. And we tend to default back to those anyway. So but detailed targeting, which is when you just create a campaign and then go into an ad set it's right there and you can actually start seeding it like google suggest does when it says how to fly a whatever kite you know it fills in the whatever flying that you want to do it's the same sort of thing that happens inside facebook ads manager at the ad set level super important tool it's where we start all of our targeting just in that detailed targeting tab which is about halfway down inside ads manager And Molly's also talking about another tool, which is referred to as Audience Insights. And you can find that by going up in the upper left-hand corner inside Ads Manager, Mm -hmm. just scrolling down the menu. You can actually see it right under Plan for Audience Insights and a bunch of other tools that are in there. So, And then, of course, everybody knows Google. Hopefully, everybody
1: knows (laughs) Google at
0: this point. Yes. (laughs) This is like an iterative process. And you've got what, like a Google sheet that you're putting this all in? Are you subdividing it by different categories? Like how's that organization looking at this point? Yeah.
1: I actually am just using a notepad because when I go to build this, I just start at the top of my notepad. And the first ad set I create I just go down the list and I input those interests until I reach an audience size that I want. So like I said, I did about half, smaller, half a million to three, four, five million. And then I did half of them bigger, five million to 20 million, just to see if it made a difference. It didn't this time, which was really cool. So I'm actually not breaking them into any sort of category. If it ever makes sense to do that, I will. But it can just be a pain in the butt sometimes. So I just went through and just input the interest down my sheet of paper.
0: So when you're grouping some detailed interest targeting together, what's your thought on that? Because people... Sometimes you might find one interest and you're like, oh, that's really good. But then you see an audience definition, it's only 20,000 people. Exactly. But you know that that's going to be a really good target. So what's your thinking when you actually aggregate different interests together?
1: It's mostly on... If there's one that's 20,000, that's great, but I know I need that ad set to be over half a million. So I'll just add two that are bigger that get me to that audience size. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Or however many I need to add, like some of these have 20 interest in them. Some Mm -hmm. of them have one. So Mm -hmm. it's just all about the audience size. Right.
0: Right. So you might find perhaps like maybe one website that, you know, oh, that's going to be killer. And then you look for maybe other websites that are sort of similar to that and then get your number up so that it's hopefully, at the very least, greater than 500,000 in your audience definition or your potential reach inside Facebook.
1: Exactly. Yep. Totally right, Ralph.
0: We're talking about large audiences here, guys, because, I mean, I think the most important thing when you're running, especially a website conversion campaign And I would say probably about, well, maybe I always say, well, about 99% of our campaigns when we run our website conversion objective inside tier 11, but it's actually not the case recently. We started to do brand awareness and video view and a lot of other things. So I would say probably about 80% of the traffic that we run is website conversions And we try to always get larger audiences, just like what Molly's saying here, like 500,000 to 2 million is great. Sometimes you can even go higher than that. I mean, we've got some ad accounts that run wide open with no targeting in some rare cases, but in most cases we're using targeting and the bigger, sometimes the better, but you know, obviously the ad set performance is going to dictate whether or not you have an audience that's too big or too small. But in this case, you didn't see any difference between the 500,000 ones and the couple million ones.
1: Yeah. And especially if you're just getting started, I did this also to season the pixels. So you'll see later in the scaling of this, I did create an ad set with no targeting and it worked awesome. But just to get started, I wanted to make sure we were targeting those interests of people that were really passionate about what we were talking about.
0: So tell me about your budgeting for this. Like what did yes. you start off at for each one of these ad sets?
1: So 22 ad sets, all of them started at $100 a piece. You can obviously start smaller, but you want to start with at least three to four times a daily budget of what you think that cost per lead is going to be. So if your cost per leads $10, you can't start with a $5 daily budget. So make sure you start with enough to give Facebook room for opt all of them started at the same amount. And then the placements, Ralph, I'm looking at the specifics of the ad set. These ran across Facebook. They ran as in-stream videos on audience network too. I haven't scaled this out to Instagram or Messenger yet. So that's the next step for this client. This was just on Facebook and in in in-stream videos.
0: Now, was the no Instagram because your creative asset wasn't allowing you? Yes, exactly. Okay.
1: Yeah, I didn't have a creative asset for it, and I wanted to get it off the ground. This isn't a market that's necessarily on Instagram. They are in a way, so we weren't losing out on a ton, but it's definitely a scaling opportunity moving forward. That's awesome. And then, you know, under optimization and delivery on the ad set section, just so everyone knows what I clicked, I left optimization for ad delivery as conversions, obviously. The conversion window, because this is something that I want them to do immediately, I want them to visit that landing page and opt in. I actually changed Facebook's default of seven days after clicking or one day viewing to one day after clicking or viewing and that worked better for me. That works better for me on this client because the opt-in happens immediately. And I want Facebook to know that.
0: So a great one right there. Like You knew what your objective was. Like Just get them in, get them consuming this thing. Chances are after a 24-hour window when they actually click or view the ad, which is how you actually have it, your conversion window is one day after clicking or viewing, you knew that that was going to be the majority of your conversions right there. So let's get them while they're hot as much as possible.
1: And also under bid strategy, Ralph, this is something we were talking about before the call. I tested lowest cost versus target cost and put the target cost per lead. Using target cost, I couldn't even get Facebook to show my ad. I wasn't really getting impressions. So this was all done with lowest cost selected.
0: Yeah. And that's totally the default that we tend to use just because even though It looks like it's great. Like when you're going down into optimization and delivery, really, I mean, what she's doing here is she's keeping pretty much everything at the default setting for Facebook and not on Instagram. We'll get into the ads in just a second.
1: Yeah. Other than changing the one day.
0: So in some cases, you might be considering using target cost and target cost is basically what used to be max bid. So what this will do, and it tends to be the case with every time we've ever tried it is that target cost ends up really killing your impressions. You don't get any reach for your ads. And when you tested target cost, Molly, what was your bid on that? 80 cents. 80 cents. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, So when you use lowest cost as your bid strategy, Facebook will go out and find any person who can convert at any price. Now you say, well, wait a second, I don't want Facebook to do this, but it actually works towards your advantage. What it'll do is it'll get the lowest possible cost per acquisition for you, as well as ones that are higher. Whereas target cost, they say, all right, if it's 80 cents, I'm going to only find you people who will convert at 80 cents, believe it or not, or in a very narrow window, maybe 70 cents, 90 cents in that area. So you really limit your reach. And it sounds like that happened in this case.
1: Exactly. So yeah, I used that lowest cost option for sure.
0: So, all right, so let's move it over to the ads. So you must've been testing a ton of different ads and creatives here, right?
1: So I kept it pretty simple, which within each ad set, there are six ads and they're the same in each ad set. Remember the only difference between these ad sets is the targeting, right? Which I find to be the single variable that affects your cost per lead the most. And it's why I spend so much time on it. But I have six ads here and I'm testing two different creatives So both of them are videos. One of them is actually a video that's three and a half minutes long that's pretty informative. And the other video is about 10 seconds long. The video that was three and a half minutes long is definitely the winner by far. So there's six ads. Three of them have the long video. Three of them have the shorter video. And then there are three different versions of the ad copy. One of them was very direct hey, this is exactly what you get. This is free. This is why you want it. Another was more emotional and another one was more of like a rally cry uh, because this is more of a passion market. So I tried three very different versions of ad copy and depending on the ad set, they all worked differently. So there were six ads and the variations were the three copy variations tested with the two creatives. Um, now, something that's very, 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 very important here.
0: That was a lot of varies, by the way. The
1: reason, very, the Pretty reason, attention, everyone. Uh, yeah. A big reason this campaign works so well is because the relevance scores stayed very high. And the reason for this is because the social proof by the end of this campaign at this scale was insane. The large video had over 5 million views which was great from an authoritative point of view, the ad which performed the best has almost 50,000 shares, 7,000 comments, 97,000 reactions. Now, the reason for this is because when I created the first ad set, I manually set up all six of these ads. Now, when I went to duplicate that ad set, I changed the targeting, of course, because that was the difference. And then I went into each of those six ads on the second ad set that I had created. And instead of letting Facebook just duplicate the six ads from the first ad set and then be identical but separate post IDs, I actually selected use existing post and put the post IDs in from the initial ads that I created. So what that does is that ensures that even though I have 22 ad sets running, all the ad sets are running traffic to these same six ads, these same six post IDs. Because if I wouldn't have done that, these 49,000 shares would have been spread out across 22 variations of this same ad. So the social proof wouldn't have been there, and the relevance scores wouldn't have been there. So that was really, really important. Something else that's important is I didn't over-test here. Even though I have a big budget, you don't see me launching 15 different variations of this ad. I gave Facebook six. I found about three to seven or eight is a really good sweet spot. They usually don't know what to do with more than that. Something else that I did that I think was really important I never turned off an ad in an ad set, even if it had a higher cost per lead. I'm looking at one of these ad sets right now, and between these six ads in one ad set, the Cost per lead range from a dollar eleven to a dollar eighty nine. Well, the highest cost per lead, the ad with the highest cost per lead, the dollar eighty nine, or I'm sorry, a dollar eighty six, had only thirteen opt-ins. Right, another one had twenty two hundred. So Facebook found a winner pretty quickly. And continue to show that one. But there's also another ad in the same ad set with almost 1,500 opt-ins. So the point I'm trying to make is that when you start to scale, it's not always wise to go in and turn off all of the ads that aren't working and leave one. And the reason for this is Facebook is only going to show an ad to an individual a certain amount of times a day or a certain amount of times a week. So if you keep some other ads live in this ad set, once your winner starts to fatigue, Facebook will start to show another one in that ad set, and I've seen it in every one of these ad sets. So don't worry about turning them off, because if it's a high cost per lead, Facebook's not going to show that one anyways, right?
0: So this is something that has definitely changed a, a fair amount, I would say, in the last six months. And I think now is probably the best time where if you are an advocate of perhaps the Michigan method, which is back on episode 71, which is a testing methodology that we still use, but I mean, we'd use it to sort of supercharge and to test really, really fast and kill stuff really quickly you know, for customer accounts. Sometimes you don't need to do that anymore because Facebook now, as long as you're using this three to six ads or thereabouts, although I have seen Facebook giving impressions to more than three to six ads in an ad set, Facebook really will start to optimize for the one with the lowest cost objective. Meaning totally. that in this case, remember, Molly's objective is website conversions. So you're telling Facebook, go out into these individual audiences. I mean, they might be 500,000, they might be 5 million. But find me the people who are the website converters in those audiences. And let's say if it's a million-person audience, there might be only 100,000 or 200,000 people that are open quote, you know, I'm doing the air quote thingy right now, converters, (laughs) because they have a history in their Facebook ad account of opting into other lead magnets or stuff just in general. So Facebook is going to go out and find that behavior because they all – they have – tens of thousands from what we understand data points on all of us, not only like where we're searching on the web, but also our activity on Facebook. So obviously other advertisers, you know, we are all sort of in this pool of data that we're all sort of sharing with each other in essence. So now Facebook is so smart. The algorithm is so smart that the lead that's coming in for a dollar eighty nine, even though it's at a dollar eighty nine, well, you know, Facebook is gonna optimize for the one that's a dollar eleven or a exactly. dollar And it's super smart here that you didn't shut that off because you gave it enough breathing room to learn.
1: Well, and it gave me scale too, Ralph, because a lot of times people launch campaigns, they only leave one add-on, and then after a certain amount of time, their campaign stalls. They quit getting impressions. And a lot of times that's because Facebook just can't show that same damn ad over and over again, right? They need to bring in another ad. So I always leave those on. And like you said, especially in the last six months, and it's cool. I'm looking in one ad set that generated 4,000 leads. One ad has 2,200 leads. Another one has 1,500. One has 216. One has 183. One has 76. And one has 13, right? So yep. there were two that really pulled the biggest lever there. And imagine... Imagine if I didn't have that one, right? I would have missed out on almost half of the leads from this sure. particular ad set. So that was really key. But the biggest key was making sure I was using those existing post IDs to aggregate all of this social proof. I think
0: it's super important here to remember that, you know, if you go back to episode 144, where we talk about when we actually met with the algorithm team and they talked to us about the biggest things that you as an advertiser should think about when your campaigns are going well is create more creatives, create more ads when things are going well because eventually they're not going to go well. Now this had a definitive flight time which we can talk about here in just a second, but the point is is that Molly's giving Facebook six choices as opposed to just one here, and I think that's one of the reasons why it's doing so well. Plus she's feeding the algorithm on a weekly basis. You need to have at least 50 conversions per ad set per week for the thing to really Optimize for the algorithm. And you've got way more than that, so you're giving it exactly. all kinds of positive feedback as to who that audience is, and go out and find more of them.
1: And after I launched these initial 22 ad sets, honestly, Ralph, over the next two months, my goal was to keep the cost per lead below about a dollar fifteen, and I really didn't play much in the ad tab. It was all ad set really focused moving forward for me because I knew I had six solid ads to work with. And from there, it was basically looking at the results from the ad set level to see which ad sets were producing the best results that I could scale, which ones weren't hitting the KPIs that needed to be turned off.
0: Now, just super important. This is the very, very, very important point about post IDs can you tell people exactly how you did it? You you created the six ads first, I assume, and then what?
1: So I create the first ad set first and hit publish. And then I quickly turn the campaign off so it doesn't actually start running. But what that allows you to do is then click back into that ad set and you click on each of those ads, you click the pencil edit button you look above the preview of the ad you click the little box with the arrow pointing up diagonally to the right and then you click see Facebook post with comments that's gonna actually open up that ad in a new tab And what you'll see at the very end of that URL is your post ID. So it's got facebook.com forward slash a bunch of numbers, forward slash post, forward slash a bunch of numbers. Those last numbers are the ones that are your post ID. So I just copy all six of those into a notepad. And whenever I'm setting up these new ad sets, Well, really the second one I set up, it's of course, when you duplicate the first one, it's going to create brand new ads. Just go into those and click use existing post, enter post ID and paste that post ID in there and hit submit. And then after you duplicate that second one, every ad set from there on will be using existing posts. So you don't have to do that again. You just have to do it once.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of different ways to find that post ID, but that's definitely the easiest way. You can also go into page posts under ads manager, but that's super easiest way to do it. make sure that when you do click that little box with a little arrow that goes up to the right, you hit Facebook post with comments, not like view on Facebook, because otherwise you might get the wrong ID. You might get really frustrated and, you know, get mad at us, which we don't want to happen. Exactly. So super important here. Now, with post IDs, there's lots of different things. Like now with placement optimization, we're starting to do less of that, actually, because we can't optimize a particular post or page post or an ad for individual placements. But by default, we still use post IDs because of a number of different reasons. Aggregating social proof, right? but also it powers the positive signals that are actually part of the whole algorithm that likes shares comments. If you've got a crappy product, then chances are you probably shouldn't be advertising on Facebook, but you know, a lot of that negative feedback is going to hurt your ad in this case, you've got the right message to market match. You've got the right type of offer. You've obviously done your research, so you're targeting the right audiences. So all that social proof is going to power the ad But also, if you did have a social media manager managing comments, you've now got It's much easier. Yeah, six ads as opposed to like six hundred or whatever. I
1: take those six URLs and send them to the customer service team and they're good to go.
0: Yeah, totally. Big, big takeaway there. Yeah. Ladies and gents. So all right. So how did we scale this sucker up? Like what was your scaling strategy and all that good stuff?
1: So we set this live with 22 ad sets at $100 a piece. And I didn't touch it for three days, which is hard. But I saw <laughs> yeah, it. That is hard. You know, it's interesting. Within the first 24 hours, the lead cost was at like $1.79. It went way down to $1.00 by day two. By day three, it was down to about 60, 70 cents. And that was good, right? Yeah. And so that's when I started. After three days, I turned off any ad set that was above the dollar fifteen cost per lead mark. So those just got turned off, right? And there were about eleven of those. So about half of them got turned off.
0: Hmm. So you had a half. You had a fifty percent failure rate,
1: Molly. Exactly. I sure did. Any of them that were below a dollar. I added 50 bucks to. So I increased by about 50%. Anything that was between a dollar and a dollar 15, it's just right there on the verge. I just let it be. So that's what I did. And since the cost per lead was really good, right? Like I was very happy with it. I started researching other interest, or I did have a lot of interest too that I had researched that I hadn't even used yet. So about a week later, within the next seven to 14 days, what I did is about every three to five days, I would increase what was working by 50 bucks, right? I kept increasing the ones that were working. I was turning off what wasn't working, which actually wasn't a ton. Like anything that really hit out of the gate, you know, had some scale. Of course, it's very natural. They all the ad sets increased in cost per lead over time. Right. We went over two months from having 60 cent average to a dollar 8. That's very normal, right? So they all as I scaled them increased in cost per lead, no problem. But anything that was under the dollar mark, I added 50 bucks to every, you know, 3 to 5 days. I was also adding new ad sets. So I started with 22, but in the end I had 38. So I added about 16 ad sets. I added about two ad sets a week. So it wasn't every week adding two ad sets. Sometimes I would add four. Some weeks I wouldn't add any. But for any time I had to turn off a few ad sets, I wanted to make sure I replaced those. So we kept the same volume of leads. So those were new interest. I would go into the ad set. I would sort the ad sets by cost per result and i would go to the cheapest one and see what interests are those right like why is this working i would go put those into audience insights and see what interests were most like the ones that were working and if i hadn't targeted those before then i created a new ad set so we were adding about two new ad sets a week turning anything off that was above a dollar 15 leaving anything that was between a dollar and a dollar 15 alone and that was really the strategy here now something that was cool at about week 5 I can't remember how many leads we had generated. I think we were probably at about 60, 70, 80,000 leads. The pixel was so seasoned, I was actually able to create an ad set with no targeting, which was cool. And that worked really, really well. That started at 100 bucks. I was actually able to scale that up to 500 bucks. So just to give you guys some context, again, I ended up with 38 ad sets started with 22. In the end, when this was an eight week test that we ran. So in the end, I had six ad sets left, right? Like this campaign was sort of at a stopping point. Anyways, I could have added more ad sets and more targeting if I wanted. But in the end, I had six that was left that were still, you know, giving us under that you know, $1. fifteen mark that we were looking at. But just to give you an idea of how we scaled the budget. So the ad set, these are daily budgets. The no targeting scaled to $500 a day. We had two others that ended at $450 a day. We had six that ended at 400 a day. We had nine that ended at 300 a day. We had eight that ended at $200 a day. And the rest were left at their $100 mark because they just weren't scalable. So just to give you an idea of how far we scaled these ad sets. I'm always such a fan of scaling your budget slowly. It allows you to maintain that cost per lead that you're looking for. Because if you start just doubling your budgets day over day, your cost per lead is going to increase too quickly. So if you slowly feed Facebook, you know, 50% more every three days, it allows you to more so maintain a reasonable cost per lead. So I've always been a huge fan of scaling out to more people. Taking what's working in terms of your ad, let's show it to more people that are most like the people who have already converted. That's why I ended up with 38 ad sets here and started with 22. I think a lot of people have the misconception that they're going to start with five ad sets and just be able to scale to this amount by scaling the budget. I want an ad set that's spending $5,000 a day. That can be really hard for Facebook to do so... This is the way that I usually choose to scale. And honestly, from a day-to-day standpoint, I'm just coming in here. I'm turning off anything that's going above my cost per lead. And every three days, I'm scaling the budget on what's working. And then once a week, I'm adding a few new ad sets. And of course, you know that timing is going to change depending on the length of your campaign and your situation. But I know people are probably wondering that.
0: There's a lot of different ways to do this, by the way. So this is one way, the way that you approach campaigns, the way that we at tier 11 approach campaigns is different in many cases. And a lot of it is dependent. And I don't know as if it's like one way of doing it, but it depends on the customer. It depends on your goal. You had a goal for as many leads under a very defined CPA. exactly. And so you started big, like you started big knowing that you probably had to prune a lot of them back and had a... 50% 50% failure rate. Well, I would actually submit you are batting 500, which means <laughs> that you're like in the Facebook Hall of Fame many, many times over. My point is, is that, you know, it depends on how you start. You don't have the budget. You might need to start at maybe four or five ad sets and then you scale out after there. But in this case, you know, you had the budget, you had sort of a predefined goal. So you could do it this way, which in reality is really is the ideal way to do it because you learn really fast what audiences, what works best for you. And then you use a combination of what we would refer to as like budget scaling, which is what you're doing, adding $50 every three to five days, thereabouts, but also saying, hey, (laughs) let me look at these really good low cost per lead ad sets. I'll take those out and plug those into audience insights. If those are working, maybe I can find other interests or other people that are similar to that. So we refer to that as audience scaling. So that's definitely two different ways that you can do it. There's a lot of different ways you can scale, but this is like textbook, how to run a campaign, at scale and trying to keep things as simple as possible. The simplicity of this campaign is like super impressive.
1: Exactly. And that's the goal, right? If you keep it simple, it's simpler for Facebook to optimize, right? As long as they have enough ads and enough audiences, ad sets to work with. Yeah. So, you know, we were able to generate these results with six ads and 38 ad sets so yeah I I hope this was helpful for you guys it's a really fun to sit down and teach this and I also love that we're not talking about the business notice that I haven't told you guys what market this is or what exactly we're selling
0: it's a big mystery
1: yeah but there's a reason for that Ralph and I were talking before this I think a lot of times especially in marketing when you're teaching a case study the student or the listener they listen and I know I do this, I get fixated on the business and I'm like, oh, my business isn't like that or this or that. It's like, no, this is A conversion campaign for a lead magnet, right? Mm -hmm. I would do pretty much the same thing depending on the budget in any market. This is exactly how I used to run conversion campaigns for DM. It's how I'm running conversion campaigns for other clients. So if you want someone to go to your site and take a specific action, and get something for free in exchange for their contact information, I think this is a good way to go about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt that this is a really, really good offer, too. It's a really good, like, these guys know what they're doing. I believe there was some testing prior to you running cold traffic. I mean, I know that they had done lead gen in the past. So, I mean, that definitely does help. Yeah, you know, right. if you're just starting with your own lead magnet right now, you might not have these kind of results. But I mean, you do have to, at some point, put it out there in front of cold traffic and actually test whether or not the market resonates with it.
1: So just to put it in perspective... We drove 523,000 unique link clicks from this campaign. We had 157,000 opt-ins. So the conversion rate on this page was exactly 30%. It's not bad, but it could be a lot better. So, you know, imagine if my conversion rate on that page was 50%, right? Yeah. The lead costs would have almost been cut in half. This is a really good offer, but it's still only converting at 30%. Yeah,
0: for sure. I mean, there's lots of elements to this whole thing that you could have tested more of. I mean, exactly. you know, once they actually click and leave Facebook, it's really, it's up to the landing page to do the heavy lifting. And if you're not getting the results that you want, you're getting lots of cheap clicks, but you're not getting conversions on your landing page. Go into the data, go into your columns and look at your unique link clicks or just link clicks versus your conversions. If you've got conversions that are less than 20% of your unique link clicks, you probably need to work on that landing page. Exactly, uh, And it depends on whatever your niche is, whether you're selling a physical product that you're trying to sell or you're getting an opt-in in this case, 20% about is sort of the minimum standard at the very least. You really want 40%, which I know you used to get all the time with Digital Marketer for sure because some of those offers are exactly. so damn good.
1: And that would always help with my cost per lead, but
0: yeah, yeah sure. definitely
1: something to keep in mind.
0: Yeah, and you've also created lots of video view audiences, lots of exactly. website custom audiences for these. Totally. So, and I don't even know how much retargeting you did in the campaign. It sounds like you really didn't even need to <laughs> because the, the lead yeah, costs were so good. It,
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, down the line in this funnel, we will do some retargeting, but we've also built an amazing audience. I mean, there's 3.3 million people who watched more than three seconds of the video, <laughs> you know, so there's a lot to work with here also.
0: Yeah. This is awesome.
1: You know, 70% of people that landed on the page that didn't opt in, you know, we can retarget that website, custom audience. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening. I hope this is helpful.
0: Yeah, super interesting here. And hopefully, if you're either just starting or you're a seasoned Facebook and Instagram pro, which by the way, we didn't even target Instagram here. We just targeted Facebook. In what country? Once again, was it just the United States? The US.
1: So yesterday, I actually created a campaign, same targeting, but Australia Canada and the UK and the lead cost for that's in the 50 cents right now. So that's totally untapped. And then yes, I just got some creatives for Instagram. So, so much scale left here.
0: Yeah, I sense a follow-up episode on this one,
1: Molly. Oh, I, I totally agree. <laughs> so stay tuned. Yeah, and it's cool because I actually leveraged some of this campaign for this new one I created and also created some new ad sets. So we should definitely do another episode just to talk about what was the next evolution of this. But good news, this funnel is really long. So we haven't realized nearly the amount of revenue that we will, but we've already made $1.30 back for each lead that you know we paid $1. eight for. So the monetization process is still in play, but we've more than made our money back, acquired 157,000 people, and now it's onward.
0: Yeah. And all those conversions to that purchase were all done on email, correct?
1: Yep. Exactly. Yes. All on a
0: follow-up email sequence. So yep, very, very cool here. Well, Hopefully you guys have enjoyed this episode here. We'll certainly have to have a follow-up. And I do think that there's like some sort of info product you should be creating out of this saying like how <laughs> I generated 157,000 leads for a dollar eight in eight weeks. I mean, come on, you just got to do it.
1: Okay. Well, we'll see about that, Ralph. <laughs> Hey guys, also don't forget to check out digital marketers new podcast. So we had Garrett and Jenna on a few weeks ago to talk about the launch of that podcast, but I know this week they're releasing a really awesome episode about Facebook ads. So we thought you guys would be interested. It's an episode with Dennish Yu, who we've had on perpetual traffic in the past, and I know it's going to be a great one. So if you go to iTunes and search Digital Marketer Podcast, definitely download the episodes they've released thus far and give them a nice review.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a great episode for anyone who listens to this show here at Dennis's. He's got a lot of new stuff that he's discovered in the last six to eight months.
1: Dennis is a brain.
0: Yeah, he's got a big brain. He's one of those big brain guys. So definitely go over and check out the Digital Marketer podcast, our friends over there. And uh, really appreciate you sharing this case study with us here today. And if you guys like this sort of thing, definitely leave your comments underneath our show notes for those show notes and all the resources that we talked about here today. This is episode 158. So go to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. And until next week, we'll see ya.
1: (laughs) You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.